0: The Lord. Amen. It is in fact that. And I'm very excited to be with you today and get to preach the word of God. i um, excited about this message. I was telling Rod Wallace, I said, you know, when I started this message, you know, it, it, boy, it just was not quite there. And then this morning of all times when I was doing my final study and it just like popped in my brain anyway, it may not pop in your brain, but it popped in my brain really big. So so we're like winding down. we got like three more messages. This has been a really long series, our Stormproof Live. I don't want you to lose sight of what we're talking about, that we live in a stormy world, you know, that's life, and the source of all the storms, of course, is sin and Satan, and then we live in this, and how do we prepare, how do we stormproof our lives during these times we live? So that was the big picture that it wanted us um, to lose. And so here's, you know, there's a couple things going on today in the scripture that are really, really big, but here's what I want you to take away, just right off the top. I want you to understand something. God is always working in the background. God is always working in the background. Don't you think, no matter how mundane your life seems, how boring your life seems, or how traumatic your life seems, just keep this in mind. God's always working in the background. And then I've got a, not a surprise, not a surprise. But I've got another truth I want to share with you just a little bit later on. And really, and really, and really, this is what the whole story um, is about. It's just one truth I'm hanging on to, and I'll share with you in just a moment, all right? The big truth up front is God's always working in the background, all right? Always working in the background. You know, one of my favorite stories that has to do with the message, but it's not in the message today, is taken from 2 Kings in chapter 6, I believe it is. It's when Elijah and his servant are in this town, you know, this particular town. And the servant wakes up in the morning and kind of looks around and starts the daybreak. And he could see that the city was surrounded with enemy. Okay? And, like, he freaks out, just like the guys in the boat, the guys in the boat. Jesus, don't you care? We're going to drown. Well, he wakes up, Elijah, and says, Elijah, Elijah. He said, Master, Master, you know, we're, like, surrounded with enemy. This is really, really bad news. Okay? And so um, Elijah calmly says this incredibly awesome truth. He says, this, no, 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 calm down. So, hey, calm down, dude. Okay, calm down, dude. Here's the deal. The deal is this, that there are more with us than there are with them. There's more with us than there are with them. And so he's like, you know what? <laughs> this does not appear to be true. Okay, it does not appear to be true. And then Elijah says something. He says to the guy... He says, God, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. Open his eyes that he can see. And God does that. And all of a sudden, here's all, the enemy were still there. Here's all the enemy around the city. But the mountains, the Bible says, the mountains were filled with fiery chariots and warriors. He was able to see what he could not see before. I love that. I love that. And here's the deal. I'm asking God to open our eyes. See, if God doesn't open our eyes, you're going to leave today going, that's a pretty cool story. You know, pretty cool story. But if God will open our eyes, I think we leave saying, that's a powerful truth. And that's what we want. We want. I don't want you to say that was a cool story. I want you to leave with a powerful, powerful truth. You know, there was a song that was written back, I think, like in the 80s, maybe. I don't know. Um, Master of the Wind. It was, a, it was kind of a southern gospel song back then. I think it was the 80s. may have been the 70s. Um, but anyway, the words, you know, kind uh, of go, you know, go like this. Um, I know, well, it starts out with a chorus. My boat of life sails on a troubled sea. Ever there's a wind in my soul. But I have a friend. Do we have a friend? Yeah, stay with me. We have a friend who watches over me when the breeze turns into a gale. I know the master of the wind. I know the maker of the rain. He can calm the storm and make the sun shine again. I know the master of the wind. And that goes so much along with the big truth. God's always working. And we know, if you're a Christian, you know the maker of the wind. And master of the wind. So let me tell you where we were last week, so you'll know. Um, you know, we left last week with the children of Israel. Um, they had left Egypt. Talk about that, and at God's direction, they they make camp. Here's the Red Sea, okay, and here's Bel Zephon, here, okay? And it was not a good place because it kind of boxed them in. And I'm sure someone, someone was going like we do sometimes with God. This is not a good idea. This does not look like it looks like a trap to me. Okay, so that's where they were. But still, they were okay with that until they looked up and saw Pharaoh and all his troops coming. And the Bible says they cried out for help. Oh, God, help us. Remember, I told you they bypassed Moses and went straight to God, which probably wasn't a bad idea. And so I wanted to kind of ease into the sermon today by going over that last verse we talked about last week, and and I entitled it "Deliverance." Okay, that's kind of the points that are coming up: deliverance, a pep rally, deliverance, a pep rally. So here they are crying out for help. Okay, and here's what Moses says. Moses says, but Moses said to the people, "Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid." Now, we know the reason why they don't have to be afraid because, again, like Elijah and his servant, you know, Moses' eyes were opened, okay, and he could see the power of God that was coming. We often don't get to see that, and certainly they did not see that either, okay? So that's why they were so afraid, but Moses said, oh, listen, hey, God's on our side. We don't have to be afraid. In Psalm 27, 1, I love the scripture. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If God is my light and God is my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. The stronghold, whom shall I dread? In other words, if God is on our side, okay, what are we afraid about? Now, you know, God has a really good track record. Okay? If, if God was a quarterback, he's never been sacked and he's never thrown an interception. If, if God was a baseball player, he smacks a grand slam every time he gets to the plate, and never makes an error. If he was a goalie in hockey, he would never let one get through. That's how powerful, and wonderful God is. And here, I want you to write this down uh, if you're if you're a note taker, okay? Since the beginning, I'm sorry, since before the beginning of time, other words eternity past, since before the beginning of time, okay? Not one of God's purposes has been thwarted. He has a perfect track record. Since before the beginning of time, not one of God's purposes has been thwarted. So here's the deal. What I tell you that is, in your life, God has purposes He's working out. He's not going to fumble the ball. Now, I'm not saying you'll love the outcome. I'm not saying you'll love whatever comes up. I'm just telling you that God has a purpose. He's working out in this world. He has a purpose that He's working out in your life, okay? And He's never messed up yet. And guess what? He's not going to. You know, that's why Moses, or that's why David could say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I dread? Jesus put it this way in Matthew 10, 28. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body, they cannot touch your soul. Don't don't worry, don't worry about the ones who can who want to kill your body, because that's temporal. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, this body's temporal. Okay? Because they cannot touch your soul. They, the world and your enemies can touch what's temporal, but they can't touch what's eternal. Now get this in your heart, okay? Because I know, I know, you know we, we in America, we in this culture, really tend to focus on the temporal. That's our, that's our bad. That's our bad. We need to understand that we need to focus on the eternal and not the temporal. So Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid of those who can do the temporal, okay? Because they can't touch the eternal. Boy, that sounds good. You to write that down. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God. Fear only God because God can destroy both the soul and body in hell. There's one to fear, and it's God. Fear God and fear nothing else. That's a good place for an amen. Fear God and fear nothing else. And you need to learn this. You need to, you know that's just going to get in your heart and soul. Okay? Because again, we fear the temporal... Okay, not the eternal. Fear God and fear nothing else. Because remember, God's purposes, not one purpose, has been fumbled since he, you know, since before the beginning of time. He has a perfect, perfect track record. Then, then Moses goes on and says this. Stand firm. Stand firm and watch, watch. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For you. Not to you. God's... God's not in the business of doing to you. He's in the business of doing for you. Yeah, come on, say amen. That's good. He's not in the to you business. He's for you business. And he says, just stand firm, okay, and see what God is about to do for you. For you. Now watch, watch. Here's the big, big, big picture. Big, big picture. Okay? IMAX. IMAX. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. See, again, once again, we focus on the short term and not the long term. And God has a plan, and in that plan, he gets his pound of flesh. Okay? Listen to this. Listen. We're going we're gonna to fast forward. We're going to jump into the book of Revelation. Just I'm going to read you a scripture. Don't turn there. Revelation 20.10. The devil, the devil who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. I Man, you you know, first off, you ought to get all fired up and hate Satan, okay? But I'm telling you this, that God has a plan, and in that plan, which will not, cannot be thwarted, okay, cannot be changed, in that plan, Satan is cast to the lake of fire and sulfur, where he will be tormented day and night forever. Amen? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Just like the Egyptians... We're going to, he says to Israel, hey, the Egyptians, you'll never see them again. I want you to know something. God wins. And because God wins, if you're a Christ follower today, because God wins, you win. You know that song that he sing? And, and, you know, I was talking to Rod Wallace again about this. We were spending some time together because of of doors passing. And that song, na, 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 hey, hey, hey goodbye. They see it in sports events when someone is eliminated. Well, let me just tell you something. You can say that about the devil because he's going to be eliminated. He's going to be eliminated. No, nah, no, nah, Satan. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now listen, it doesn't even stop there. In Revelation 21, verse 4, listen to this now. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, there should be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Just like there's coming a day when we'll say na-na-na to Satan, we're going to say na-na-na to death, and sorrow, and pain, and crying. And watch, watch, watch. I love this. Look, look at the verbiage of this verse. For the former things have passed away. When something passes away, that means it died. These things are going to be gone forever. They're not going to pop up in eternity somewhere and go, whoops, I'm back. Not going to happen. Not going to happen because God is God and His purpose will never be thwarted. So, so just like the the, the big picture is the Egyptians, God's going to deal with the Egyptians and you'll never see them again. You're saying the one, the the Satan that bothers you so much today, who tempts you so much today, okay? His end is coming, and the things that so wound us and hurt us—pain, suffering, sorrow, death—they're all going to be gone. They're going to be gone forever and forever. And then finally, in verse number 14, backing in from last week, Moses says this. The Lord will fight for you, but you must be quiet. Oh, we wrestle with this. We don't, we don't want to be quiet. We want, you know, we want to handle it. You know, some of you are in bad marriages today because you figured out if you didn't do it, it wouldn't get done. So the guy you grabbed was not the best guy in the world, but at least he was a guy. And you're in a bad marriage today going, man, what was I thinking? Some of you students are in relationships today. You're dating someone you should be dating, and you're saying, man, what am I doing in this situation? Okay, we need to understand that we've got to trust God with this mess. With this mess, we've got to learn. Hey, listen, the Lord will fight for you. You've got to be quiet. We used we used uh, Psalm forty-six, ten, yes, last week. Be still. Stop striving. Be still, stop striving, and know, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. I will be exalted in the Egypt's of the world. Just know that. Just know that. Till then, we come down, and this is the chunk of scripture, like totally grabbed me. I mean, it did. I said, oh, this you know, this is like the this is like the candy. Okay, now what we're going to see now. Is how God works all this out with the Egyptians and all of that. You're going to see that there are four players in the game. Not counting the Egyptians. Right on, count them. Because they're a bunch of losers and they're going down. Okay? But we're going to see the people of God. We're going to see Moses. We're going to see God. And then we're going to see the angel of God. Now watch. Listen carefully. Every one of them have a particular role. And God is going to work out his purpose through these four groups, players, working out their role. You got that? You have that. Okay, now look what it says. And, uh, and In Exodus 14, 15, the Lord said to Moses, I like this, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Now keep in mind, when we perceive this, okay, the, the people of Israel are crying out for help. Okay, and so Moses is kind of getting from God, why are you crying out for? Okay, so the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. Tell the Israelites to break camp. Let's look at first off, why are you crying out to me? Okay, you know, there, there are times, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.1, you know, there is a time for everything. There's a season for everything, a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time for everything. And here's, a, here's kind of a quote I came up with. There's a time to pray. There's a time to wait. And there's a time to act. And wisdom is knowing when to do what. There's a You know, do y'all, do y'all ever waste time praying? Oh, God, should I tie? Save your time, read the book. God, should I forgive? Save your time. It's in the book. Wherever God gives you a definitive answer in His Word, you don't need to pray about it. You don't need to pray about it. You don't need to pray about it at all. Just if God gives you a definitive answer, you know. And sometimes, sometimes we just need to learn to wait. Okay. And there are times to act, and we need to wait. We need to wait through prayer and waiting till God shows us what to do. Now, here's what I want you to get. You know, I want you to grab a hold. Of the truth is, tell the Israelites to break camp. So, what was the role? What was the role of the Israelites in this whole gig? Break camp. Get ready. God's going to do something. Get ready. Guess what? Our role is the church in the world today. Break camp. Get ready. God's going to do something. God's going to do something. Now, I know. I know. Here's what we want to do. We want to get in God's stuff. Because we figure God needs our help. Hello. Let me just help you out. God don't need your help. He don't listen, He don't need your money. He don't need your talents. He don't need some old preacher boy up here screaming his word. He don't need anything. He got all he needs. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. So he says. So he said in his word. So so our job is to wait and trust God and do what God tells us to do. That's it. That's it. See, in Joshua 7, this is a whole different story, but it really teaches the truth. In Joshua seven ten, now what's happened is the Israelites have conquered Jericho. Y'all remember that story? Walls fell down. Yay, they got it. And then they move on to Ai. Ai was a smaller town. Should have been no big deal. They sent some soldiers down there, and they get whooped. They get whooped. Okay? And there's fear all in the camp. They went from confidence to fear. They went from faith to fear. And they're all just all worked up. Okay? And Joshua's just on his face saying, Oh God, how can you? (laughs) We never pray like this. Oh God, how could you let this happen to us? Oh God, what is the world going to say when they see your great name dragged in the dirt? Here's what God said. So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up! (laughs) Get up! Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. Now is not a time for prayer. Now is a time for repentance. See, we need to learn that truth. As God works in our lives, we got to say, okay, God, what time is it? Ooh, come on now. What time is it? You know, look at your Jesus watch and find out what time it is. What's God doing in your life? God, God what is he doing? What are you doing, God? What's the Jesus watch say? I'm telling you what. It'll keep you from some very bad decisions. It'll teach you with fewer regrets and fewer consequences that you don't want to go through. It's big. So learn this role. Learn your role. Break camp. God is God. You are not. Follow Him. Obey Him. If He says, do it, you. If He says, don't, you. There you go. It's real simple. It's real simple. The trouble, we just went, preacher, you know it's not that easy. It is that easy, just that we don't want it. We don't want it. Because, you know, some people are just born to be in charge. And somehow we've got it mixed up that we are. And we're not. It's God. We preachers need to learn that. And deacons need to learn that. And trustees need to learn that. Lay people need to learn that. We all need to learn it. God is God and we're not. God is God and we are not. Then we move from Israelites, break camp, get ready, I'm going to do something. We move to Moses. Now, how'd you like this task? And, and notice, Bob, don't miss the verbiage. As for you. Because later, God's going to say, as for me. But right now, he's on Moses, as for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it. So that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Wow. Well, that's a pretty big challenge. I mean, most of us go, whoa. See, often, you know, the nominated committee comes knocking on your door. You turn off the lights, they don't, we know you're home. Okay. When preachers visit, we know you're home. We heard TV before we walked up. Okay. So they come knocking on your door and you say, well, I can't do that. I've never done it before. Have you not learned that if God calls you, he'll equip you? Come on now. If God calls you, he's going to equip you. So Moses has got this huge task in front of him. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, divide it so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Okay? That sounds impossible except for the God factor. Except for the God factor. Oh, we've got to learn the God factor. See, we're going to see in just a moment... Well, first of all, we see right here that God is the one saying, this is what I want you to do. And then we're going to see in a moment how it acts out, how it plays out. Okay? So here's the deal. Here's the deal. There's a slide I got, and and I want you to get this. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. The word itself says, I'm possible. Nothing is impossible. The word itself says, I'm possible. Now... Before we jump all over that and go, Whoo, I'm going to put that on Facebook. You better get the caveat. Nothing is impossible. I'm possible because of Christ. You ain't. We, listen, we are nothing without Jesus. Well, now, don't be offensive. Well, listen to what Jesus said in John 15, 5. I'm the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much, much fruit. Wait for it. For without me... You can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. So, so the key is, Moses can face this dawning task of sticking his rod out and dividing the sea so the children of Israel... I mean, how's like, the pressure of that? Millions of lives depend on him. So it seems. So it seems. So he can face this dawning task, okay, because it doesn't depend on him. It depends on God. You know, without Jesus... We can't do anything, but with Jesus, we can do everything. We do everything. Y'all all like that verse, and I like the verse too. Philippians four thirteen. Several times I see it on Facebook just recently. Somebody said that's my favorite verse, Philippians four thirteen. But you've got to get it in context, okay? And if you remember right, we talked about this several weeks ago. Um, the context is this: you know, Paul is talking about being content okay, in want or in need, in hunger or well-fed, in that context, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He didn't say, if I want to lose 10 pounds, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I want to win the lottery, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I, if I want a new job, I can do all things through Christ. That was not the context. The context of that scripture is, Within the confines of being content with Jesus. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Within not confines, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We were going out the door there you. And it got quiet. I know I hate to spoil these verses for y'all. But you need to know what it really means. Before you, before you, you know, throw that verse out and then it doesn't happen, you go, gee, God kind of let me down. No, you took it out of context. The word of God is filled with power, but it's filled with power within the context that it's meant. Okay, it's very, very important. Now, now here's here's the other deal. Okay, and and, and someone called me at the door, and this is a, they were spot on when they said this. Here's Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself also in the Lord. What's the context? Delight yourself also in the Lord. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Here's what follows, and I he will give you the desires of your heart. See, so so if we're not careful, we jump all over that and go, "Woohoo! I like this Jesus stuff. I like this God stuff. Because the Bible says He'll give me whatever I want. Is that what He said? No. He said, delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, what happens when you delight yourself in the Lord? Your desires change. The desires of your heart become God not what? I want, but what you want. How would that change your prayer life? Wow. You pray and you have this thing going on with Jesus and this relationship thing, and your desires is, God, what you want is what I want. All of a sudden, answer his prayers. You say, wow. Well, the same thing with Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. Moses, if, Moses had, you know, if Moses had a business meeting, heaven forbid, if Moses had a business meeting and said, "Boys, I've been thinking. What do you think about me holding my rod out and just like saying, "Divide the waters." What do y'all think about that?" Said, Moses, are you nuts? And he would have been. But when God told him to do that, that's a different thing. Is it not? Is it not? Yes, it is. It's a whole different animal. And that's what happens. So God tells Moses, here's what I want you to do. It sounds crazy, but I want you to stick your rod out. Stick your rod out, and I want you to divide the waters. They're going to go through on dry ground. On dry ground. That's what Moses is supposed to do. Israelite's going to break camp. Moses is going to stick a stick out and divide the waters. Okay, now what's God going to do? What's God going to do? Well, let's see what God's going to do. This is Exodus 4, 17 and 18. Here it is. I love it. Ask for me. Tell this his wife to break camp. Ask for you, you stick your stick out and divide the water. Ask for me, here's what I'm going to do. Aren't you glad God's got, a, God's got an ask for me? Now, come on. He's got a purpose, He's working. See, you've got to think you've got to do it all. Oh, no, no. God says, Well, ask for me, I've got a plan. Here's what I got Ask for me. Ask for me, I'm going to harden. The hearts of the Egyptians, so that they will go in after them. Now this is cool. When they left Egypt and got out of out of the Egypt, out in the desert. Okay, Moses was told by God, "I'm going to harden the heart of Pharaoh that he's going to come after you." Okay, but that's not what it says there, is it? Okay, first time he says, "I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart so he'll come after you." This time, God says, I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after you. In where? In the water. In the Red Sea. In the Red Sea. This is huge. This is huge. God has a plan. Small detail. God's in the details. Okay? I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart and they're going to follow you right into the sea. They're going to say, well, they're going through on dry ground. We'll go through on dry ground ground. Oops. (laughs) Bad idea. Bad idea. Okay, now watch, 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 watch. Here's that big truth I was going to tell you about. And I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh. See this whole deal. This whole deal of the parting of the Red Sea and all of that. You know what it's all about? God getting glory. God getting glory. It wasn't about God could deliver the the Israelites a whole different way. It's all about God getting glory glory. So here we go. So, I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all his army. And remember, where they at, where they going to be at? In the sea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Alright. So, I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all his army, and his chariots, and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Okay? So all this was about God getting glory... And God dethroning another god. Now remember, in Egypt, Pharaoh was a god. Am I right? Okay, so Pharaoh is a god. There's there's a denny god around, okay? There's a little god around. And God said, I'm not going to share my glory with anyone. True then, true now. True then, true now. So he entices the armies of Pharaoh to go into the sea. All right? And then, now look look what it says. The Egyptians will know. Not the army. They're going to be dead. The point was not to convince the army that he was God because they're going to find out because they're going to die at his hand. But Egypt will know. See, here's here's what we know happened. When Egypt, I'm sorry, when Pharaoh left to go after Israelites, he turned to his hospitality committee and said, Go ahead and plan a parade because we're going to have us a celebration. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to bring over a million people back. The outcome is not in question. Get it ready. And we're going to parade all the nation of Israel. And by the way, this is what the Romans did. I'm not just dreaming this up. The Romans, many years later, would demonstrate and say, when I go out and captive someone, I bring them back and parade them through as a spectacle. So get the party ready, because I'm not going to lose, and I'm going to bring them down, and we're going to parade all those captives back and put them back in the pits of mire, back in the mud, making bricks. It's a done deal. Imagine what it was like. When, and apparently, I and mean, this would be true, Pharaoh was not in that bunch that went to the sea. The general stays on the shore. It's true today, it's true then. Okay? So what would happen when Pharaoh shows up empty handed in Egypt? I, I thought he was God. I thought he said it was a I thought he said it was a done deal. What is up with this? I mean, what kind, of, what kind of God do we serve anyway? A fake one! A false God. That's what Pharaoh was. So God says, I'm going to entice them in. Okay? And the army is going to get destroyed. Again, I think, I'm pretty sure it says right in Scripture very clearly, Pharaoh's going to go back, but he's going back empty-handed. Not only did he not have the Israelites, he didn't have an army. Imagine the message... What message would that send to a simple nation like Egypt? Pharaoh's not God. The Israelites' God is God. Amen? Isn't that cool? See, that's what God wants to do in our world, through our lives, through our witness and our testimony. He wants the world to know that he's God, that he's God. All right. So we move on down. Here's what my angel's going to do. And this is number nineteen twenty. So So the, then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. So he went from a position of leadership, the angel of the Lord did, okay, went in a position of leading the children of Israel to the back. Well, why would he go back? The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It came between the Egyptian and Israelite forces. There was a cloud in darkness. It lit up the night. Neither group came near the one other all night long. So the angel of the Lord moves from the front to the back. Okay? And lights up the night. And neither the Israelites or the Egyptians could get near one another. You know why? Wasn't time. Wasn't time. So... In case the Israelites and their ignorance, somebody got fired up and said, We can take them. Bring it on, Pharaoh. We, we badness never do that kind of stuff. You, you know what we do, don't you? We plan stuff and ask God to bless it. Much better than what God is doing, and He will bless it. Much better. Much better. So bring them on. Bring them on. Just in case they got a little ignorant, God says, I'm not going to let you get near the Egyptians. But he also kept the Egyptians where they were. In case they got a little bit premature and got a little bit more arrogant and said, let's take them now. God wasn't ready for that. He had a bigger plan. A bigger plan. So he kept the two. Isn't that good? See, God's working this plan. See, God's working this plan out in your life. You gotta trust him. I mean, he, he's got timing, he's got purpose. Working out. And you've got to trust Him. Don't. If, you know, if you're single and want to be married, wait. Wait. If you're, if you're a student and you, you're thinking about a career, wait. Get God's opinion on that. Get God's opinion on that. So finally, we got to hurry on. Let's move down to execution. Now, this is a play on words. I really didn't have in mind execution like the electric chair, but it kind of worked out that way. Okay? So, here's what Moses does. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all the night. Now, whoa, whoa, whoa! Did you catch that? What was Moses' job? Stick the stick out. What was God's job? Part of the sea. See you, remember Charleston husband. Don, 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 don. Hey, Charlie, you had no power. How much power did Moses have? It wasn't Moses; it was God. All Moses did was stick the stick out. All the Israelites had to do was break camp. God was going to do this. So, so the Bible says that Moses stretched his hand out, stuck his stick out over the sea, and the Lord drove the winds back. I love. Here is what the Israelites said after you know, in the rearview mirror of this, in Exodus fifteen eight. And with the blast of your nostrils, I thought <laughs> all God did was sneeze. Okay. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood up right like a heap. That's why I said, God, you did it. With your mighty breath, you caused the water to part. To part. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry ground. So the waters were divided. Wow. Wow! And then the people—what did they do? Yep, they broke camp. You know, the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, and the waters like a wall on their left and right. It was an oxymoron. It's—it's it's awfully good. Can you imagine walking in that sea? And here is walls of water, and here is walls of water. Imagine how amazing that was. It was awfully good, and yet the dry ground was there. That's all the people had to do. Okay. And then we have God. We have God working. Okay, this is verse twenty-three. The Egyptians set out in pursuit. Where down into the water, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went into the sea after them. Now, grab this. Take a note. Write this down. The sum total, the sum total of all Pharaoh's power is in the sea. All his authority, all his power, is in the sea. All his ocean. All his, all his horses, his chariots, his horsemen are in the sea. And then, during the morning watch, about 3 o'clock in the morning, during the morning watch, the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud, and threw the Egyptian forces in, in confusion, he caused their chariot wheels to swerve, and made them drive with difficulty. They said, let's get away, because God is working for the Israelites. Smart. Just too late. So finally, last execution, verse 26, the Lord said, stick out your stick again. Stick out your stick again. Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. and At daybreak, the sea returned to its normal depth. This is almost hard. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, God threw them back into the sea. As soon as one climbed on the shore, God threw them back in. That's what it says. I didn't make it up. Now, I know, David, I broke this cable that soon. I know that. He threw them back in. Threw them back in. The water came back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh, that they had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. Of all those that went into the sea, how many came out? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Now, let me tell you what's amazing about that. Again, if all that is is a cool story, okay, what if it's a powerful truth? What if it is a powerful truth? What if it means that God is God, God is God, and he's all-powerful? What if it means that he's working a purpose out in your life? What if it means that he knows exactly what he's doing? It changes everything. And guess what? He does. He does. You can trust him. I want you to understand something. I'm not being facetious. I know that means hardness sometimes. It means difficulty sometimes. But we trust God because, because in the future somewhere, the enemy, Satan, is going to be cast into a lake of fire. He's a loser, and he's really going to lose big. And every pain and suffering. Tomorrow when we gather ourselves in the sanctuary for Dora's celebration of life, we're going to talk about that death has no sting. Death has no power. That Dora, Dora, absent from the body, is the present Lord. You know, Jesus said to, to Martha at Lazarus' grave, you know, he who believes in me will never die. You know, Dora never died. Her her body quit working, but Dora never died. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. As soon as her body quit, she's instantly in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We win in the end. And all the things that that are so painful in this world na, 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 hey, 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 goodbye. The enemy we hate? So it's a big story. It's an epic story. We can face the storms of life because we know the master of the wind. So, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the big deal. That's the big deal. We always have a time of decision. We want to give you the opportunity to act on the truth that you heard. And maybe today you realize what a powerful and strong God the true God is. Joe Brent will be standing down front. He wants very much to share with you how you can know Jesus Christ as Savior. Maybe you're here today. And you're in a crisis. Right now, Pharaoh's breathing down your neck. Breathing down your neck. And maybe now's the time that you need to say, God, I need you. I'm willing to break camp. I'm willing to stand back and let you be God and not me. And not me. And you can see we've got the table set for the Lord's Supper. And uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. but. It really is a great opportunity for you to prepare your heart for this. Because, you know, Jesus gave this to us on, on the pretext that reminds us, help us remember that his body was broken, his blood was shed for us. So maybe during the invitation time as we sing this worship song, maybe you don't need to come forward, but maybe you just want to take an opportunity. To say, God, thank you so much. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you so very much for being a good and gracious God that you are. And you are. And you're always working behind the scenes. You're working for our good and your glory. I thank for the truth that you took care of Pharaoh who called himself a God and proved that he was not because of your power and authority. And Father, make it aware in our hearts that when people claim to be God around this world we live in, then truly are the one true god as we later on enter into our lord's supper time we don't pray god that you'll prepare our hearts it's such a privilege to get ourselves together and to remember so we're thankful for that so this is your time to work in our lives and hearts and jesus i pray it in your precious